difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems. I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bow cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. And welcome back, everyone, to It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join me on the line. Well, it's now official. He'll be fighting once again. He'll be Bellator 258. And he'll be taking on Josh Hill. And so far, an all-bantamweight car. That's right. It's 135-pounders galore. I give you, once again, the pride and joy of uh, Rufus Sport. I give you, dare I say, the future bantamweight champion of the world. I give you, it is... Rafion Stupastance. Uh, Rafion, I guess this is the, the best of everything here. You get a, a, a chance to uh, pad the record or improve your standing with a big fight with Josh Hill, and you get the front row seat at all the guys ahead of you in a competition. Uh, is this sort of for you like a win-win scenario? Yeah, this is definitely the win-win scenario. The win, the uh, the first scenario I was looking for was the Grand Prix, like a Bantamweight Grand Prix. Um, first and foremost, because it's a million dollar prize at the end of the uh, at the end of the line. But I mean, this is the next best thing. I get to fight uh, right alongside with a lot of these guys that I'm probably gonna have the chance of fighting. So, yeah, this is this is this is a big opportunity. Break down Josh Shell for me. He's a newer acquisition. This is a guy who's been around. He's 23. Uh, he has more wins than you have fights. So. What is it about him that makes him good? Like when you saw him against Eric Perez and Desinia Zani, like what makes him a dangerous fighter? Um, I think his ability um, or his 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 power overhand and his wrestling, his ability to mix it up with um, low kicks. He he keeps his uh, the fighters guessing, and uh, nobody really wants to kind of pressure him because of his uh, wrestling prowess. But uh, other than that, yeah, he's um he's he's good everywhere, and he's a strong guy. He, you know, he's he's good at imposing what he wants to do. So that's what makes him dangerous. I feel like that's what he's good at, and um, that's why he's had a lot of success. How tough is it fighting a guy like that? Where he'll he'll as you said he'll do this and that, this and that. And there's never really like he won't get into that rhythm like some guys do. Who they'll start just throwing leg kicks and head kicks, and you can time that. Or they'll go straight for the wrestling and you understand how to do that. When you have a guy like that, how tough is it sort of trying to figure out what he's going to try to do so you can counter it? Um, that's, that's exactly – I mean, that's the, the type of fighter I like to be. So um, and I'm pretty much having to, to uh, game plan to beat myself pretty much. If I was the game plan to beat a guy that was well-rounded and, and uh, do a lot of things uh, right, uh, I think uh, the, the key for me is going to be to make the right reaction, but just go, you know, keep the pressure on. Um, he, he makes the, uh, a lot of the right reaction, but he doesn't really follow up. He just does the right thing, um, you know, just enough to like win exchanges. But um, I think that that in between ground is where I'm going to just keep pressuring, you know, keep fighting, keep making the right reactions. And then eventually the fight will open up a lot for me. We're going to go back to this card and in this fight all bit. But let's go back to your last fight. It was you, Keith Lee. It, it was starting to get a bit salty because, let's face it, like he, you know, the Lees like to, you know, they, they like talking trash. They're very confident in both of themselves. 
Take me to that fight. How, how was it more difficult than you expected, or was this the kind of fight you were expecting from Keith from round one to round three? Um, so the fight was a little bit different than expected. I know Keith Lee, or yeah, Keith Lee is a lot different from his older brother. His older brother is the one who's uh he's he's a talker, you know. Uh Keith is more reserved. He's he's a religious man. Um, so he's like he's he's a different, he's a different uh fighter in that aspect, but He's also a guy that uh, when he gets into the ring, he turns it on. So um, I kind of knew that going in, you know, I've, uh, I'm under the same management company as him. So I've watched a little bit of him fighting and he, he's under the Bellator banner too. So, you know, I'm, I'm watching all these guys. So he's different as, as far as like how his mind, uh, how he, he competes. Um, as, as the fight went on though, I, I feel like my pressure and um, just my, my pressure and, and, and my, my just ability to, to mix it up kind of uh, just, just overwhelmed him. Um, yeah, pressure and, and being in the space all the time because he's, he's a fighter that likes to be a little rangy, likes to pick his shots, um, but I just didn't give him the space to do so. And eventually it wore on him, so. One of the things I noticed in that fight was you were usually, you do a lot of wrestling. This fight, it was mostly stand-up. And- you can, you know, you didn't, you, when you needed for wrestling, you used it. How much of that was by design that you wanted to prove a point where if the fight was on its feet, you could still hang with anybody, but you could do a stand-up fight if need be? I think that was an important fight for me, actually, to do exactly that. Because, you know, a lot of people, they, when they think of me, they think of, you know, this two-time national champion wrestler, you know, and I'm very good in wrestling, but. I've also, I've, I've become really good everywhere else, you know, and I didn't really need to show that a lot, you know, on my run up to uh, kind of the Bellator, on my run uh, kind of, be- yeah, before Bellator, but um, now is the perfect time to start showing these things because I'm right, clo- I'm close to a title shot, you know, so I got to start bringing these things out. Um, I can, I can like open up more on my feet and show uh, some of the techniques that I'm very good at on my feet, you know what I mean? And um and, and, and just let all the division know that pretty much I'm here. You know what I mean? So I think this fight in particular, too, is another fight where I'll get to show a lot, you know, uh, against somebody who, who likes to wrestle and likes to throw big, big hands. I'll get to, you know, show, show some more things that I'm good at. So it's, it's all up for me, and, and I'm excited to do so. How do you avoid, I guess, falling into bad habits? Because we... We've seen that before, and, it's, and I bring that up because you were, you were talking about, you know, oh, I want you want to show that. Tyrell Fortune, I consider, is, is a great example, and even Johnny Hendricks, to an extent, where they fell in love with the striking. Like, all of a sudden, they, they used that became either pure strikers, and they forgot about the wrestling, or, they, you know, they, they didn't use their wrestling when they needed to. How do you avoid doing that so that when the time comes, you know, okay, I can use the wrestling. It's still there. This is when I need to use it a lot because, damn it, I am a multiple-time All-American. I can take anybody down anytime I want, when I want. So for me, what I feel like what's been or allowed me to either continue wrestling or to like uh, uh, not fall away from my wrestling. My every every art that I I do, whether it be striking or jujitsu or uh, you know wrestling or MMA, it's all geared around my wrestling. You know what I mean? So even when I throw kicks, um, and I when I throw kicks, and and, and Duke Rufus did a good job of, of 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 cultivating this this type of game for me. Uh, my, my every the way I throw my punches is 
is geared for me. So I'm always, it's geared for me to wrestle. The way I, the way I kick is geared for me to wrestle. The way I do jujitsu is geared towards, you know, the, the exchanges that I've been doing since I've, you know, started wrestling. So uh, for me, my game is centered around my wrestling, you know? So if all else fails, I have my wrestling and my wrestling is always opening up strikes. And if it is almost like they got to pick their poison, like the wrestling is always there. But if you do a good job defending the wrestling, there's other things that I'm that I'm gonna do. I'm, looking, I'm watching the highlights of this here, and as I said, there are some things I like. Things you know, as I said, but you know, I, I question about. But now, but as I said, I'm you're the expert here. One of the things I did, I want to talk about though is your strike and how it's come about. And I'm looking here, and there are several times you have him against the cage, and you're not getting too into it, where. You know, it's almost you're giving up your, your reach. You're giving up your, you know, the, the height and he's able to clip you. How much of that do you, you know, do you take pride in? But it, it, the small stuff is starting to show. You know, all of a sudden you notice that I'm not getting his much. I can stand in the pocket. I can trade and he's missing because I know the distance. I'm able to, you know, figure out where he can throw punches and land and where he's just going to miss. Well, this um this last year, uh, before COVID, I had done like very limited amount of sparring because of the situation. You know what I mean? So we, we weren't getting as much. But af after COVID, I feel like, uh, or after we were able to go back to gyms and stuff, I feel like I like overdose. Uh, not overdose. I, I just did a lot of uh, 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 sparring, you know, and it was a lot of technical sparring. So my reactions, that's exactly what it is. It's just my reactions are a lot better because I've been in those situations a lot more. You know what I mean? Some fighters, uh, Max Holloway, you know, he's been in total, uh, you know, 20 high level uh, fights. He doesn't need at a point, he doesn't like doing the sparring. But for me, you know, I'm a wrestler. I need those, I need those uh, interactions and I need to be comfortable. I need to be comfortable in those situations. And, and what's happening is I'm just, I'm getting comfortable being in there, being comfortable in those exchanges. Uh, and, and that's that's because of my, my training, really. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because when we spoke with Anthony Pettis, he had mentioned that one of the things he started noticing was I'm no longer sparring as much. I'm getting healthy. No longer, you know, training, you know, with every day going rounds and rounds and rounds while young pups so I can heal better. How tough is that for you, though, when you want to grab Anthony Pettis probably every time you see him go, I want to spar you, you know, you're the elite little sparring, you know, striker here. I want to be able to test my metal. And more and more, a lot of these guys go, look, we can't do it every day because we need to physically stay healthy. You're a young pup. We've been doing this for a lot much longer time. Yeah, well, it's um, at Rufus Sport, we have a uh, like a tight knit group. So, I mean, nobody takes it like personally. Like, I've had tons of rounds with uh, Anthony Pettis, but I've also you know, uh, we will give each other the look like, yeah, not today. Yeah, I'm not doing it today. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not really going hard today. Uh, so we'll do technical uh, rounds, you know what I mean? Or it's later in the week, you know? Um, and I, and that's something I'm learning from, you know, those older guys, the Anthony Pettis's, the Gerald Mearsharts, uh, the Tyron Woodley's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning that, you know, as I go. But at the same time, for me, where, where I was or in striking, I feel like I'm still... I'm still learning. And, and the sparring isn't the thing. I feel like getting hit in sparring is uh, like what causes damage. And um, my coach has done a good job. Anthony's done a good job too uh, throughout the years uh, of, of being defensed, 
deep, uh, just liking defense, not defense oriented, but but liking defense and, and implementing my defense into sparring. And it's not about how much I can hit you, it's how much, how, how much more I can hit you than you hit me, type of thing. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we get it's uh, none other than Rafion Stotts here of a show. We're talking all things, of course, training. We're talking coat, we're talking uh, Keith Hill, we're talking his win over Keith Lee. It's going to be weird, this fight here, because as I said, the co-main event is Patrick, is Patrick Mix versus James Gallagher. I'm guessing the winner of that, you're going to be eyeballing, going, I want that winner. Yeah, Ooh. and it's, it's, that's, that's why it's like, it's perfect for me to fight on this card, because I got a built-in next fight, you know what I mean? Which, that's one of the reasons I wanted the Grand Prix, because you have a built-in schedule, you know what I mean? So I've, I'm, I'm going to have people that I, that I know I want to fight, and I get to scout, like, at the venue so it'll be fresh on my mind I'll, I'll be able to get on the mic and tell people like hey this is the guy i want the guy fighting next like the guy um if if sergio doesn't get the belt i want the guy uh or if sergio gets the belt i want i want the guy he fought you know what i mean so this is this a perfect opportunity for me let's talk main event it's juan archuleta versus sergio pettis yeah the, the business of a, of, a, of a friend the teammate you're probably rooting for sergio pettis the businessman yeah. is probably looking going, I hope Juan wins because then I don't have to worry about fighting my teammate or having that weird conversation where <laughs> yeah. This no, is really. So I'm I'm I well I I'm at the point where I know Sergio's gonna win. So it's like not a doubt in my mind that Sergio's gonna win because we're I mean that's what we're training to do. That's what we're training him to do. So um I I, but I have a plan, you know, I have a plan for, you know, if he wins the, or when he wins the belt, I have a plan for, um, if something goes wrong, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm planning, I'm planning on Sergio winning. Sergio is a, uh, amazing athlete. He's, he's a dominator. Um, and I don't, I just don't see, uh, Juan having enough answers for him. How tough is that though? It's because if he wins, as he said, you can have a plan B because it's almost, as it is one, one fighter once said to me, it's like a divorce. Everybody picks sides. You know, dad, you know, what, everybody wants mom to be on one side and dad to be on the same side. Mom and dad can't be on the same side, which in your case is, you know, Duke and the, and the, and the coach. So, yeah. How does this work? I mean, because as you said, you're the young pop. The you know, Pettis we've been part of Duke since the day. Yeah, one, no. So. so, the thing too about uh, like me and Sergio, which I don't know, it's probably the same uh, with the Usman Gilbert situation. I've started my I've started my career uh, pretty much at Rufus, or I started my pro career, I should say, at Rufus Force. So I've been with Rufus Force since I've been an amateur. Um, Sergio has been with Rufus Force longer. He's been with them since he's been, you know what I mean, a, a teenager. <laughs> he's been with them since he's been a teenager. So um, the, I've watched Sergio grow up, you know what I mean? He's watched me grow up. Uh, also, um, the other thing is, like, we... We've, we've talked about like, okay, if, if, if there was a title fight, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much fight each other, but you know, they gotta, they gonna have to pay us a lot and they, <laughs> they gonna have to like, you know what I'm saying? Understand that we gonna be cool. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think that's nothing that'll, that'll drive like a rift between us. You know what I mean? No, I understand that part, but I guess my point, my, my question is like, who gets a coach? Who gets a training partner? Cause as you yeah, said, well, I don't, so, and that was the, so, I had a question and nobody knows the answer. Um, if, if we, if we have to fight each other, you know what I mean? I've been at the gym. He's been at the gym uh, for however long 
I don't see any one of us wanting to leave. Granted, if if someone gets the choice, Sergio would get the choice. I'm I'm certain. I mean, uh, Duke's been a mentor to Sergio since he's been uh, 16 or something. Um, but like, I would like to train at Rufus Sport. I would like to train with. I mean, that's our our group is is like is us. <laughs> it's us against yeah. the world. You know what I mean? So like, I would like to train with them. I mean, and the other thing is we don't really train to like beat each other in the in the gym. I'm giving him a look for his fight and usually he's giving me a look for my fight. So we're not, it's never like Rafion fighting Sergio or you know what I'm saying? We don't we don't fight each other. So we're trying to make each other better. So um I, that's my only question is like, do we have to switch gyms? I don't I don't know if there's a is there a rule that we have to switch gyms or we we can't train at the same gym. I have no idea, but as I said before it all happens it's Bellator 258. It's you versus Josh Hill, as you mentioned. He's a damn good fighter. He's beaten a lot yeah. of good fighters. So how big is it for you to basically disrupt the tempo? Because as he said, when he gets all that tempo, it's just like it's like Nova King. Give it time that works. How big is it for you yep. to start, start this fight, make him go, you're not going to be able to just set this tempo, set a trap. I'm going to be the one who you know plays the beat. Yeah, so for me, this fight is definitely a number one contender fight. Um, I feel like we're the the two most dangerous uh, fighters, or we and we have probably the highest win rates uh, in Bellator, or, or some of the highest win rates in Bellator. I feel like Josh Hill is, is if they were to do rankings, which they're gonna do rankings here, I would put Josh Hill top top three or four. You know what I'm saying? And I would probably put myself top three or four too. So I feel like this is a a number one contender fight. The Patchy Mill, the the Patchy Mix versus Gallagher fight is more of a spectacle fight. Um, I don't feel like those guys are in the same league as us, but um, you know, they have, they, they have the more exposure. They have more exposure than we had. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where I feel it. So I feel like this fight is huge. Josh Hill is a uh, supremely tough opponent. You know what I mean? Uh, probably my toughest uh, test on paper. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a hell of a fight for me to win. So if I could win this fight, there's not a lot stopping me from, um, you know, conquering everything. Oh, very happily, Jim. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you none other than it's uh, Rafion Stas. Uh, Rafion, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where is uh, the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? And who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Yeah, so my um, Instagram, Twitter are the same. It's Rafion Stotts, uh, R-A-U-F-E-O-N-S-T-O-T-S, one word. And then um, Facebook, you can find me at Rafion Stotts, two words. Uh, my sponsors for this fight are going to be um, Twin J Fight Team, um, Combat Corner, as usual. Uh, I got Diamond Cups on and DC Mouth Guards in my mouth. Uh, so I like to thank them. I also like to give a shout out to Perfect Sports uh, for all the, the supplements and, and keeping my body right during camp. Um, and yeah, and that's uh, also, I'd like to thank Blaine Brown's uh, Roofing Company and Jay Kurtz uh, Painting. So, yeah. Rafael Stotts, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, we come back, folks. We got a lot more going on here. Only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol. Only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.
Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire House Network. And we heard earlier from Rafael Stotts. Looking forward to seeing him in action. But now he's going to be on the line. This man here will be fighting April 24th. Felix Cash for the British Middleweight Championship. He'll be, defend, he'll be defending it. Well, he has his eyes on a possible American invasion after this. I give you the undefeated Queensbury Promotions uh, well, now Uber prospect slash champion. I give you undefeated Denzel Bentley. Uh, Denzel, it's uh, when we first started interviewing you, you were just a prospect. Now you're a champion. What is that like now where you can say that you are the British middleweight champion? No, it's, it's a good feeling. You know, it, it, it goes to show how hard I've been working and, and the work I've been putting in. Like you said, when you first interviewed me, I think I might have been about seven or eight or no. Just a prospect and now, you know, we're still in contact, you know, still connecting, you're still interviewing me and I'm a champion. So it just shows the journey that I've been on so far and, and, and it's been good. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Before we go into this fight, I got to, we got to go back to your last win. That was against Mark Hepfron. We, and we had talked about this is a big step up. He was a guy who was 25 and one, had always beaten you know, all the other prospects. He was a guy who... If you want to be taken seriously, you had to beat him. How nice was it, you know, literally beating him into submission that, you know, you forced the referee to stop the fight because he took so much, you know, of a pounding. Yeah, no, it felt good. It felt good, like, especially winning the title off off of a, off an opponent like that. I didn't just win it off anybody, you know, like someone that they just put in front of me to win the title against. I think um, in the first fight, I was, I was the underdog in the bookies. Um, all the polls on social medias had me losing or getting knocked out. You know, I, I wasn't expected to win this fight, and I came out on top. So it was a, it was even a, it was an even better feeling when I won it. What changed the second fight? Because the first fight was a draw, and you said, "All right, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to be a different fighter this second time around." So against the against half round that second time, like what did you do differently that made the big changes? Do you know what's so crazy? You know when they tell you. You can't buy experience. Like I've literally learned that that is one of the most, you know, truthful sayings out there. Because at first I'd be like, I know I can fight. I've done a million rounds in the gym. I might not have had a lot of fights, but I've been sparring in the gym how many times, how many rounds. But it's different on the night. So I gained a lot of experience from that fight. I I was able to look back and correct my mistakes. I also felt the pressure of a, of being in a step up fight, performing under the bright lights and with all the attention on you. So all of these things added up. So the next time I went, next time round in there, I was a lot more comfortable. I, I looked at, I picked up my mistakes and told myself I'm not doing that again. I told myself I was going to hold my feet a lot more and and allow them to form my power. I didn't do that the first time round, and it was it was a it was a much more um, clinical performance. It's ironic, as you said, but you know, you every fight you gain experience. So was there a bit of a sort of frustration that you didn't you know if you couldn't do this in the first fight or were you just so happy that second fight finally getting you know that big win that guy who you know all of a sudden people take notice no I, 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 I was definitely frustrated after the first fight because I felt like I won anyway but it allowed if I think if I won that fight I wouldn't have been too eager to correct my mistakes so the draw like I said I was taking it as a loss so I had to just go back and think about everything I've done wrong and make sure I don't make those same mistakes so in the second fight round, after I came up with that stoppage, I, it, it, like I said, I was proud of myself, not only because I won the title off a much more experienced opponent, but because I learned from what I'd done and I managed to correct these mistakes. So 
I gained a lot of experience from that fight. So the second fight, I was happy that I managed to gain that experience and put it to use. So now going forward, I know I'll be able to do that and gain my experience and put it to use every fight. April 24th, Felix Cash. Uh, he's 13-0. You're 14-0-1. You have more knockouts. He seems to be more of a boxer. Uh, what does he bring to the table? Like When you see him, and he's, he's beaten some good opponents, whether it's uh, Stefan Danio, Jack Collin, Jason Wellborn. Like, what makes him a tricky opponent? Uh, you know, first of all, he brings the Commonwealth title, so that's one thing he brings to the table. Second of all, um, you know, he's a tough guy. He comes forward. He, he's had a good amateur background, so he clearly knows how to fight. Um, he's been doing this for a long time. So after I beat him, I, I get to take that experience too and move on to the next level. So, yeah. How does he compare with Mark Heffron? Is he a, more, is he a better boxer? Is he more athletic? When you compare him to Heffron, how are they different in terms of the challenge? Well, in terms of the challenge, I think they're pretty much on the same level. I think a fight between them two would be very good and either one could win. But I do think he's got better feet and better head movement. So I think he's a bit smarter than Mark Heffron. So Mark Heffron just like, he just fights one way. He, he, he doesn't fight any other way. So it's easy to figure him out. I think with Cash, it might take a little bit more time to figure out. But I don't see him as much of a level above Heffron, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So we'll go back to all this in a bit. But take, I just want to highlight like, when you get that belt and when you bring it home, how excited was everybody else? Because you know, the, the kids, the family, they've seen the struggle. They've seen what you've gone through, what you've had to give up, what you've gone, you know, what you sacrificed. How happy were they? And and how tough was it just not, you know, holding that title, putting it aside and, you know, just going, like, I have the title back? Because it was, it, it's a big moment. You are a champion. Yeah, no, my, everyone in those went crazy. My whole family was going crazy. They were proud of me. They were happy I'd done it. Like, you know, apart from my team and my family, not a lot of people, and, and a few fans, let me not lie, but not a lot of people thought I was going to, you know, win like that or just win in general. So they were happy. Like I said, I'm a champion now. They were proud of me. I think even as an amateur, I didn't really win any major title. So this is my first, you know, title or championship as an amateur and pro. So it was just like, it just shows the work I've been putting in and how everything's coming together. So they were happy for me, you know, chasing my dreams and achieving, achieving one of my goals. And um, yeah, it was good. It was good. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we get Denzel Bentley on the show. We're talking all things, of course. Uh, his big title win. We're talking his title defense here. I want to get, uh, here's a big question I have for you. When you are seeing all this as an outsider, you're also experiencing that. We are uh, Daniel Dubois, a good friend of yours, lost his last fight, and a lot of people got on him here. Because they thought, oh, you know, we got exposed, blah, 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 didn't show toughness. How much does it bother you when, and forget about the fans, fans are fans, forget about media, we use media. Does it ever bother you about when other fighters are commenting or other trainers, you know, will get on a fighter and it's like, wait a minute here, you know what we go through, you understand the pain. Why are you criticizing us when you've experienced that same crap and you know what it's like when? You can't see out of your eye or your hand is broken and you look and you realize, damn it, it's either we continue to get hurt, beat up, or we do the smart thing and we try to just fight another day. Uh, I, I find it weird, to be honest. I find it very weird. Because like you said, like they know what we go through firsthand. But I guess when they're just tweeting at the time, they're just tweeting as fans. And I feel like nowadays, everyone wants to, be, wants to be the first to say things. So before thinking, they would just start typing and going along with what everyone feels like. Was, was what happened but after a couple of days a lot of them kind of changed their tone 
there's a lot of fighters that have been through these things like that. Some people make some good comparisons, like when a, when a fighter holds a body shot and they don't get back up. They're not they're not sparked out unconscious. So could could you call them quitters too? Because that was unbearable pain that they couldn't take anymore. It's the same thing as your eyes, unbearable pain that you couldn't take anymore. So we had to live to fight another day. In my opinion, it's it's, it's the same sort of you know scenario. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. People say what they say, and you can't take too much, too much. You can't read too much into it. Otherwise, you just end up doing your doing yourself no favors and just getting annoyed at everyone. But I do find it weird, and I think. You know, when you're until you're in that position and you go through it and you come out on top, don't speak on it. I know, but one of a few criticisms I have, and this is something I, I believe more management is that sometimes you have guys like yourself, Dubois, a lot of the young British guys, you get to the point where it's a bit, let's call it a huge jump. You go from the British title to all of a sudden you're fighting an American fighter, you're fighting, you know, a, a Russian fighter. Most of those guys. Either they get those tough fights or they get those top guys, and it's more very used to those dog fights. How do you plan to do that going forward? Like, is there a part of you that wants to talk to Martin and go, "Look, get me an American fighter. Get me somebody who they're going to drag me deep water, and I got to figure out how to sink or swim, so I can get ready for those top fifteen, top ten guys." Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm I'm always looking forward. I'm always aiming high, but. For example, I haven't, I've, you know, I had 17 amateur fights. So I only had 15, 15 fights professional. So I am moving quite quick. But my, what I want to do is that's why I'm, I'm, I want to fight all these prospects in the UK. I don't just want to start fighting, you know, people that are meant to be or uh, washed up fighters that were somebody back in the day. And now, you know, they're, they're, they're on a decline. I want to fight all the prospects now at this level. So when I do move on, I know what it's like to go into the deep waters. I know what it's like to be in hard fights. I know what it's like to be in a build-up for a 50-50 fight with all the pressure on you. So it won't take too much away from my fighting when I get into the ring with these, like you say, American opponents or even a Mexican opponent or someone else like foreign that's, you know, top 15 world title, world level challenger. So that's my thing. A lot of people try to skip that process. They don't want to fight, you know, the prospects in their backyard, but I'm ready to go through that process, that, that process, sorry. So when I do get to, you know, the world scene, I've, I've, I've been there before domestically because... I'm fighting guys that could potentially fight for, you know, European or world title someday. And if I come out and when I come out on top, I know I'll be ready for the world scene moving forward. Like, is there a part of you that wants to fight maybe a couple of guys I know you and your team might be looking at, you know, a Gary O'Sullivan, a Mark DeLuca, you know, Jason Quigley, those guys who they, you know, they fought top guys. Yeah, they've lost, but they're still good fighters. Guys who can maybe... They're more weathered. They're more seasoned. They might give something that's more different than anybody being faced right now or that's available in England outside of maybe the top guy. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that's the process. I feel like after I, I go through this level, this stage, the next stage, obviously I've conquered the domestic scene. The next stage is to go international. Or like you said, the, the, the guys you named, you know, close around Britain, in and around Britain, a few Irish fighters, whoever they may be. And fight those guys that are above domestic but fringe world level so that, that's the next step from here those are the guys that want to get in there so you know you've got to get through the, my next opponent and then we'll start speaking to Martin about you know a few international bouts with, with top level opponents last two questions let you go uh, how much of this is sort of all with everything going on we had you on before and you fought the, the empty arena and we know that the coronavirus has been just hell on crowds hell on people hell on the economy how much of this was sort of a let you know a letdown in that 
your big win, that title win, your family couldn't be there, you know, but you still have to wear a mask when you're going around places. You, have to, you know, you can't have those big celebrations anymore in the ring. How much of it is sort of frustrating, but here it is, that big moment right now, and it's still like, it felt like a sparring session at some, in a lot of ways, because you're just basically you, Heffron, and the corner. That's it. There's nobody else to sort of be part of this moment. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit annoying. It was a bit annoying because, you know, my first headline show, my first title, and, you know, my family, friends, and everyone that supports me had supported me for every fight until then, couldn't be there. That, that was very annoying. And, you know, after getting the victory, if you turn around and you can't really celebrate with anyone apart from your corner. So it was annoying, but hopefully things just get back to normal soon so we can get back to all of that stuff and celebrate with my family, friends, and everyone that supports me in the crowd rather than waiting, having to wait to get home to celebrate with them. It all comes back down once again, as you mentioned, it's April 24th. It's you, Felix Cash. As you said, he's a little bit trickier. Better footwork, better head movement. He, he's gonna, he wants to basically be, I'm guessing, outbox. You make it a fight where you get frustrated, you do something you know very rash, and he can take advantage of it. How big is this fight for you going to be just about patience, where it's either you wait for him to make a mistake or you basically try to go to the body first and then go to the Yes, this is one of those fights I've got to be smart. I've got to be, you know, like you said, patient. I've got to, I've got to, you know, control the pace. I've got to make sure I'm not making silly mistakes or getting drawn out or doing things that I don't need to do, really. So I just got to, you know, box my game, box smart. And like I said, every fight from here on is important, you know, in regards to all of those, all of those things. But he's, he's going to try and box. He might even come and try and have a fight. I, I can't, I can't say what he may do, but I find that on the night and I just have to adjust to it and make sure you know, I keep my head straight and I'm, I'm on my A game to, to conquer whatever star we tries to bring. Very you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you, he's the new British middleweight champion and the man who a lot of people say might be coming soon to America to invade. I give you once again, it is the undefeated Denzel Bentley. Uh, Denzel, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, where can fit, where can fans hit you up at? Um, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. Two sharp underscore D, the number two sharp underscore D on both Twitter and Instagram. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, two sharp Denzel Bentley. We are proud to have him on the show. We wish you best of luck. We come back. Final thoughts here only on it is last call. Last call with the alcohol only on Blue Wire Hustle Network.
Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol. Only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And once again, I want to thank my wonderful guest. We had Denzel Bentley on the show. Always a pleasure having him on. Good luck to him on April 24th when he defends his title against Mr. Cash in a BBC middleweight championship. Also, Rafion Stas, you know, him versus Josh Hill. That's going to be a barn burner. And, you know, I'm telling you. It's almost a matter of when, not if, he's going to hold Bellator gold. I think this kid is just the real deal. I'm looking forward to it. But I want to take it to our attention to this weekend. It was, uh, we met, I mentioned before, two heavyweight fights. And we'll start with the first one. Uh, the king is dead. Long live new king. That is Francis Naganu. He is just a force. And it's just scary what he does because you look and you go, okay, Stipe could have taken him down. He could have done all this here. And you and you sit and you look and you go, all right, well, you know, this might happen. This is what we be. Oh, it's going to be a trick. And yet you, you just see it and you realize that if you cannot take him down, if you can't hold him down, like Miosik did the first fight, damn, you're in trouble. You are just in serious trouble because he is a big, he's a big guy. He understands, I think, everything regarding distance. I mean, you look at the knockouts that he scores. He never rushes in and gives up his power. He's always a guy who is sitting there. And he understands, okay, distance. He understands how to extend his punches. And even when he's on the ground, even when he's you know landing big shots, it's with pure force. And I think, as I said, that after that first takedown, I think Miosa got a little bit frustrated. And I get it. It's just you are looking at a guy who is... He thought, okay, I can take him down. I'll, I'll beat him up. And that doesn't work. And then, you know, as we saw, you know, it's the first. Well, I'm watching here once again the fight, and he is able to do a lot of things this time around. He's able to make it his pace, where I think the first fight, Miosik was able to take him down, hold him, make him carry his weight. Second time around, you know, Yosef didn't, didn't go do a lot of takedowns. Didn't one, that was it. And I think that's a big problem because it allowed it allowed Nagano to just tee off and go back to that first knock. You know, that first the knockdown. Miosik is not you know throwing anything back. He's trying to do some bob and weaves, but the problem is if you if you don't give Nagano a a reason to just fear you. It, I mean, look, look what he did. He drops him with basically the first time with a a straight right. It's basically just a straight right hand that does it. And then, you know, he, he gets back up. Miosik starts throwing some wild punches. They're looping shots, and you just you, you can't do that. Because if you do that, he will just... He will basically call clock you, and as I, and so as I said, it's Nagano's world. He is now somebody look at and go, 
Who can beat him? Now that's gonna be interesting. I know, but I know, I know that people right now want John Jones versus Nagano. If I'm John Jones, I'm I'm right now with everything going on. I might not even bother with that fight. And now for not for the reasons you guys are thinking, I'm if I'm John Jones and I've been through all this with Dana. I think there's a part of John that might look and just go, you know what? I want out of here. I'm done. I, I I've been fighting with Dana for years. I'm tired of dealing with him. I'm tired of having to beg for scraps. I'm tired of having to deal with all of his shenanigans. I want out. I want out of here. And I know people say, well, you know, run back Derek, you know, Derek uh, Lewis versus Ganu, but I don't know. I think this new, I think this version of Ganu is now a lot more confident. I think feels like, well, you know, I can just, Lewis will throw a, a big whooping shot. I can catch him with a, a straight right hand or a straight left hand. That will do it. I think the, the one guy who I think has the best chance against the Ghana right now is Gagne because he brings the wrestling. He brings the submission skills. He's a guy who can go rounds. He is good. He has pretty good cardio. That might be the one guy I think who right now who is the, stands up pretty good, but. Other than that, we're going to see what happens. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Miosic. Here's another guy who might just decide, you know what? I'm just done. I'm done with Dana. I'm done with the crap. I want. I just want to go back. I mean, he makes good living as a firefighter. He doesn't need the UFC. He's made enough money. He's he's made some good money the last couple of years, and I think there's a part with him that looks and goes, yeah, I just don't want to deal with him. I really don't want to deal with this crap. But we'll see what happens. And then we turn our attention to boxing. As, and it was Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. And Dillian White did what he was supposed to do. I mean, look, give him credit. He went out there. He touched the chin several times of Povetkin. He never he never made the same mistake they did the first fight where he just jumped in and you noticed him getting cold clocked with a right uppercut. He kept some distance. Uh, in the end, you know, as I said, it's it, it shows that eventually you do get to that age where you just it's no longer there. And for Povetkin, people forget he's been around this sport. Forget about him being forty because that's a whole different thing here. It's. He is a guy who he's been he's fought some guys, you know, who are no longer even in this sport, you know, who were you know, at one point, you know, were pretty big. I mean, this is a guy who was fighting Chris Bird back in two thousand seven. I mean, literally think about that. Two thousand seven he's fighting Chris Bird. You know, and before that, you know, Friday Ayuhana, there's David Bostis, there's Eddie Chambers. I mean, these, all these guys have gone by now. They're literally gone. And, you know, there's the Klitschko fight in 2013. There's the Marco Hook fight. You have, you know, Manuel Char, Carlos Takam, you know. And it's, as you start noticing, but this guy's getting bigger. And, you know, each, with each shot he takes, it just, it takes him off of you. And then, as I said, so here's a guy who turned professional in 2005. And he's still fighting at, two, at, 20, at 2021. He was still winning fights in 2020 against Dillian White. But I think all this catches up to you. And I think, you know, as I said, 
I think he's done. I think this is, will be his last fight. I think he's, 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 he has everything. He has money in the bank. He is happily married. From what I've heard, he saved a lot of his money. He's not one of these guys who's just, you know, living off pay to paycheck to paycheck. I, I can see him just, just, you know, going out and saying, screw this, I'm done. I, I'm just, because I think after a while you get done. There's just so much of beating you can take. There's just so much training you can do. So much of, you know, what you go through just, it takes it out of you. But, as I said, congratulations to Alex Bennett for that kind of fantastic career. Uh, Dillian White now is sort of in no man's land. Uh, I know he wants a, a fight against Fury or Joshua, but it probably won't happen for a while because they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. I know a lot of American fight fans want to see the fight between him and Deontay Wilder. I think it's a bad fight for De for what Dillian White, but either way, there's going to be some interesting things coming up. And as I said, it's Dillian White looked impressive. Francis Ngannou looked impressive. You know, the guys who lost made made changes. They made adjustments. Pretty damn impressive for them. And congratulations to them. But we got to wrap this up. So once again, for my wonderful guest, it was Denzel Bentley. For Rafion Stotts, this is Chris Connor saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action here only on It Is the Blue Wire Hustle Network.